One Week Season. OWS Weekend Review Show with Todd Burrows and Mark Garcia. At Best Ball NFL is where you can find me and at Hilo FF on Twitter. This is a new show for OWS this year where Hilo and I will review our key processes for the week before, how we applied them to lineups, how our rosters fared, and what, if anything, we would do different if we could, and what takeaways we are taking into the following week to help our listeners with their own processes to help make everyone better at the game of DFS and make better lineups going forward. I also want to thank all of you who reached out to me privately about the old show that Hilo and I did the last few years. For those who didn't reach out and were wondering, Hilo and Zandemir's show this weekend is just completely off the hook. And I know it's what I personally need to become better player. And I couldn't help but think listening to that show that it was superior to ours and what Mark and I did in the past because it will help people to grow much more in their understanding on how to make better lineups in daily fantasy. I understand that there is a desire for picks and our old show did that, um, but with the expanded scroll and the player grid that OWS has this year, I feel like there's plenty of that. Uh, but I really do appreciate all of you who reached out to me, who mentioned you liked the old show. And I hope everyone enjoys this show as much as the one we did in the past. Mark and I are going to be reviewing things, going over them, and helping you to be better DFS players. So, Mark, now that we've got that out of the way, welcome, and it's good to see you again, my friend. Likewise, my dude. It's been too long. So, ago. yep. Uh, let's get right into it. Hilo, in your great course in the marketplace entitled Your Greatest Edge, which, by the way, I highly recommend to everyone, you talk about how understanding the chalk build is much more important than knowing who the chalk players are going to be. Can you explain this for us? Yeah. So, I mean, I defined the chalk build uh, probably for about a year and a half now as what is the most likely way for pieces to fit together within the constraints of a salary into a roster. And by knowing, typically we, we piecemeal this together um, throughout the week by getting a sense of where the field is going um, how, you know, what the chalk pieces are, how they fit together and what that really opens up for the rest of rosters. And that gives you a, a pretty good idea, particularly for this first week of 2021, where a good amount of the rosters, how the overall roster composition comes together. Um, and that gives us a scenario where we can really leverage off of that roster construction without making suboptimal plays. So we don't have to be, you know, okay, Marquez Callaway is going to be extremely highly owned coming in at 3,400 in salary. What is the field going to be doing? Well, they're either going to be playing Marquez Callaway or they're going to be looking for the other 3,000 wide receiver uh, at, you know, at a similar price where they can 
pivot, I would call it, to that player as opposed to playing Marquez Callaway. And they'll be left with that comfort feeling of, hey, I'm leveraged, like I'm not playing Marquez Callaway. Well, realize that the rest of your roster, like the other seven spots on your roster, are likely coming together in a similar fashion. So uh, what we're trying to do is really go away from a large portion of the rosters from a sense of roster construction without making suboptimal plays. Yeah. JM talked about this a lot uh, during the week. And, and basically one of the key things that he's been hammering lately is that to really make money at DFS, you need to hit the heights. You need that 1% outcome. Uh, I mean, I got close um, a, a bunch last year, and you know, it, it's uh, you know, building lots lineups uh, as Blender says that give you the shot at getting that one percent outcome. One of the easiest ways to do that to translate kind of what you just said um, is if we know that there's going to most teams are going to have two cheap running backs. I mean, two cheap wide receivers. Well, that's going to lead them to be, you know, have a bunch of Devonte Adams, uh, Christian McCaffrey, um, the high end players, you know, team jam them in, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. So by us attacking in a different way, we can expect the same number of points with the same number of ceiling, but, we're going to have much fewer people to beat if we're right than the other people. Uh, Is that a pretty good way of summarizing it, Mark? Yeah, for sure. And then when you start talking about like compounding factors or things that will stack on top of each other, when you're really looking for that, you know, 0.1% outcome, um, if your roster is different, you're already competing against a fewer amount of rosters should how you're building you know, be the optimal or close to optimal way that week. But really, you have multiple outs in the sense that your players can still succeed the way that you're building a roster and the chalk build can fail. Um, So it's kind of um, a leverage slash like create or management of variance and a leverage all in one. Um, And like for this particular week, we kind of, saw how that happened where the chalk roster construction almost flopped on its face, unless you had like the particular stack of Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So, um, you know, a lot of those high price uh, wide receivers or running backs um, ended up flopping, you know, Dalvin cook had a down game. Um, we had Devonte Adams, obviously who had like three points, something crazy. Well, and more importantly, the cheap guys, most of them, uh, didn't do anything. Yeah, right? exactly. So, so what, what, what I'm hearing here and what I've taken away from your course and, and how I'm applying it to my own play is that I'm going to, um, and what I love about it is, you know, JM talks about having fewer things that we need to get right. Right. And so, all things being equal, we pick whether you use an optimizer like I'm doing now, whether you're hand building, it doesn't matter. Having less people to beat when you're right. In other words, my lineup could get 195 points um, and, you know, the chalk build could get 180. Well, guess what? 
Now I've only got maybe 10% to 15% of the field to be better than, where if you have the chalk build, whatever the score ends up being, you might have thousands, you know, uh, 60, 70% of the field might have a similar build. It's much harder to get to the 1%. So it's zigging when everyone else is zagging without making lineups that are any less quality. That's the goal, Mark. Correct. Yeah, we're still talking about leverage. We're still talking about, you know, player stacks and correlations. We're, you know, we're, we're utilizing standard DFS theory. We're just going about roster construction in a different way. Yeah, I love it, Mark. I mean, out of everything that I read this offseason, and I, I busted your chops on a few different things during the offseason, <laughs> but honestly, you know, it's rare when I hear what someone else is doing and it just clicks and I'm like, I have to do that, right? And so one of the first things I want to do each week is like, all right, what's the chalk build? And then start thinking about how I can make rules in the optimizer to um, end up with as much upside as the chalk build. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, if you ha- Again, if you haven't gotten Mark's course, you can go to OWS, use the code Todd for zero savings. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the, the, the site has a ton of great value and... Uh, uh, Mark's course probably should be triple the price. So um, if you haven't gotten it yet, I really think understanding this is very important. Hilo, what was the chalk build that you did see? We You talked about it a little bit with the cheap wide receivers. And I guess we talked about it a little bit, but talk about just how the chalk build failed. And it was the perfect opportunity for OWS members this year. Yeah, well, first off, man, before I continue, I really appreciate uh, you saying all that. That was uh, that was very meaningful for me. So I definitely appreciate that coming from you. Uh, and basically, you helped me get into this industry. So that's that's a huge compliment coming from you, my man. Um, well, I, 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 you know, look, you know, I saw something in you, and you've maximized it. Um, so, um, you know, really, uh, you know, I might have kicked the door open a notch, but you're the one who burst through it. Appreciate that, man. All yeah, right, so, so we go ahead about the chalk build. Yeah, so the chalk build, we had Marquez Callaway, obviously, um, who you know started the week projections were like 35-40% ownership. He ended up coming down to you know high dollar contests in somewhere in the 20 to 25% range. But we knew he and then other fellow cheap, you know, bare minimum wide receivers were going to carry extremely heavy ownership. And how I talked about that leading into week one was that was where most or not most, but a lot of the offseason buzz, particularly surrounding the best ball crowd, uh, was being focused. You know, your Elijah Moores, your Rondale Moores, your Marquez Calloway. Um, Corey Davis was absolutely hyped up this offseason uh, through best ball, but ended up coming, you know, a fraction of the ownership of Elijah Moore. But we had all these cheap wide receivers, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Um, who were expected to carry ownership. And when you aggregate that ownership, it was very clear that one of those cheap wide receivers was going to be on a majority of lineups. And when you only have, you know, eight to nine roster spots that you're allocating salary to, depending on where you're playing, that, that salary has to be spent somewhere. So if, if you're utilizing only, you know, 
2.5% or 3% of your salary, uh, sorry, 6% of your salary on one of those spots, there's going to be other spots on rosters where that salary is going to be spent. Um, without the way that roster or the way that salaries worked out this week, uh, it was highly likely that players were going to utilize a pay up running back. And then one of those mid range guys, you know, your Joe Mixon, your Najee Harris, your Raheem Moster, um, because that allowed you to pay up at one wide receiver position. So you start getting the sense of like, okay, there's going to be one pay down wide receiver. There's going to be one pay up running back, one mid range running back. How else is the salary going to be spent? It's likely going to be, you know, one of the three or four pay up quarterbacks. Cause we have all the salary. It likely could be, you know, Travis Kelsey, who is in a tier of his own at the tight end position. But then we have to balance that with Kyle Pitts, who has all this, um, all this buzz coming out of best ball draft season as well. Uh, so if on the Kyle Pitts teams, where's the extra salary going to go to, well, maybe they can fit in two pay up wide receivers. So you start piecing these puzzles together and realizing that there it's a, it was a highly concentrated um, likeliest chalk build this week, even more so, which is kind of weird for a, a week one where there's a lot of unknowns. And that's why it was so important to leverage off of it this week. Yeah, and when you measure high-end contests, I was looking kind of quick, and I couldn't find what uh, Callaway was. I'm, I'm going through a bunch of lineups, and the reason I can't find him is because I faded him pretty hard. Yeah, um, so in the... But he, was, he was probably higher, um, you know, 33, 35, and where most of our guys, most of our subs play. Um, okay. So I, I, I do think that... You know, especially in week one, there was so much value that you didn't need a chalk uh, value. And and that's exactly what we're talking about here. And, and to try and train our listeners to think differently. Don't try thinking about making um, what, you know, uh, it's not enough just to, to uh, make a nice lineup. You need to make a nice lineup that leverages the field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, in your rosters, Hilo, how did you therefore adapt and try and gain an edge? I So I put in, I, I altered my process a little bit this week. I did a more like 2020 JM strategy uh, with the $100 Millimaker. So I entered 11 rosters into that. Um, and so I guess mini MME. And I... Basically, I think on eight or nine of them, yeah, it was eight of them, I forced two mid-range running backs, which, again, altered the dynamics of the roster and allowed me to allocate salary differently. Um, I was high on Najee Harris all week. I was high on Joe Mixon all week. I was extremely high on Monster even before the Trey Sermon news, and that'll lead to one of the mistakes that I made this week that we'll talk about here shortly. Um, I was high on even Mike Davis, Damien Harris, uh, who, you know, the last carry, his last carry of the game could have been a 10 point swing. He could have gone from a 10 yard rushing score uh, and he ended up fumbling at the 10 yard line. So um, yeah, I was, I was high on a lot of these mid range guys and I didn't see the need to pay up at running back because of what it did to the rest of my roster and how it made it look similar to a lot of the field. 
and that would lead you to more mid-range wide receivers. And yeah. again, back to my point, there was plenty of value throughout the whole spectrum. Um, just hitting it from a different perspective is a good thing. Um, you know, so Mark is still uh, doing, you know, hand building and anyone who's followed has seen how I've kind of turned into an optimizer guy. Uh, but, what, <laughs> un, un, you know, I still, you know, I trust the projections, but I also really want to take all the stuff that OWS does so for me, what I did, because I got kind of slapped around by Blender and a couple of you about the low uh, end wide receivers, because I, in my brain, I didn't see it because I don't have the time, like a lot of our listeners, to, um, you know, listen to everyone's show and, and, and get a sense of what the industry is doing, which is why I count on guys like you, Mark. Um, so once I realized that, I, I, I made a couple rules in the optimizer. First off, I limited the maximum amount of some of the low-priced wide receivers. So the most Callaway I could have was 12%. Um, I, I, Rondell Moore, uh, about the same. I did let Elijah Moore get up to 30% uh, if the optimizer chose him. Uh, and, and then what I would also do is I would correlate because one of the games that I wanted to go after was the uh, was the Carolina Jet game. So I made it that most of my Moore shares were going to be in game stacks. So if I got it right and Moore hit, well, it would be correlated with Carolina. And, um, and it wasn't just Elijah Moore, obviously. I also forced at least 17% Corey Davis. So you can see how I did all these different little things to try and make it that I didn't have a ton of these low price guys. But when I did have them, I was putting myself in the optimal position for, let's say, Elijah Moore went for 30 points instead of 0.03, like it turned out, <laughs> well, then I it would have been part of a Carolina game stack, and I had a chance to hit that 1% outcome. So that's the kind of stuff that Mark and I are talking about, correct, Mark? Yeah, and I was high on Elijah Moore. I was just trying to play him differently, like you said. Um, I had I had 40% or just under 40% Elijah Moore this past week. And um, three of those lineups were full stacks. So Zach Davis, Corey Davis, or Zach Wilson, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore, and then bring back with CMC. And Zach and Corey got there late. And the team that I'll talk about in a little bit um, had Corey Davis. Um, yeah. I took it a little from the other perspective and, and, and had more of your friend, Sam. Yeah, um, buddy. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, so, you know, uh, there's a tremendous amount of great information on the site, Hilo. There's a bunch of new contributors. Uh, what what other information that you read from some of our other uh, partner contributors this week impressed you the most and you tried to incorporate into your own process? I mean, honestly, everything, because the new writers that are on staff are absolutely incredible. The thing that stuck with me the most was JM's uh, update to the player grid, where he was basically saying like, hey, 
people are down on the Kansas City offense, and this is a great eruption spot for them. And up until that point, I had not built any uh, KC stacks. Um, I went into the lab and I built two full Kansas City stacks with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. And then one of my big mistakes was once uh, the Trace. Uh, 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 All right, cool, yet. cool, cool. Uh, 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 yep. But yeah, yep, so yep, yep. we we got we're we're we're, we're kind of, and the and I'm, we're trying to do it this way for a reason. And the reason is you'll notice that we haven't talked about our results yet. And, and we're not going to do that till a little bit more because we, again, are really trying to stress to you process over results. So um, I agree. Uh, I thought what JM did, I think that there, you know, the, no matter what boat you like to float in in DFS, OWS now has a contributor that can help you be better at that particular part of uh, of things. So um, for me, um, what I did with my process this week, I, I talked about it a little bit. And, you know, I used OWS, though, in a variety of different ways. So you can love projections, love OWS. Uh, JM on Sunday morning put the people that were in his lineups. And I sat there and I thought of each one. And that's why I went 17% Corey Davis. That's uh, There was a couple other people I can't think off the top of my head. Oh, Tyreek Hill was the other one. And I was, you know, kind of limping between Diggs and Adams. And, and, and I, you know, one of my old rules, you know, we're a little rusty. This is our first week back. And one of my rules is always play Tyreek when he's 10% owned about. Like always be over on him because yeah. he, he doesn't get that low that often. And you never know when he's going to have a monster week. So I had planned on playing about even weight on Mahomes, and I ended up going almost 2x on Mahomes. So that's kind of how I took what OS, uh, you know, besides Mark's, um, you know, chalk lineup and, you know, and JM's, uh, player pool um you know there was a lot of things zandemir talking about the optimizer and and how to use it and answering questions on the saturday night show all that helped me to be a better dfs player this week mark hilo i keep calling you one and then the other um i answered a boy we had late breaking news on sunday <laughs> getting late breaking news processing it is a key part of daily fantasy. Uh, how did you uh, deal with late breaking news this week? Yeah. So obviously the big one is Trey Sermon, um, which is kind of bass backwards to how those situations typically play out. You know, you typically we're seeing a starting running back be ruled out for whatever X, Y, and Z reason. And then the backup running back stepping into a, you know, larger than expected role and becomes chalk. Well, this week we had the reverse of that with Trey Sermon, who was expected to be the one B in, you know, San Francisco's backfield being basically. Some people thought the one a, yeah. So he was, he was going in the seventh, eighth round in best ball and, you know, right behind ahead of Raheem Mostert for a lot of the draft season until Mostert started creeping up into the sixth. But yeah, so he was uh, obviously that, kind of shook the fantasy 
seen when Sermon was when the public was made aware that Sermon was not a top three running back on his own team. Um, and what that did to me, I was already high on Raheem Moster and, you know, one of the top two matchups for a running back in the league, we have a dynamic and changing running back or, or scheme for running scheme from San Francisco. And I was high on him all week. You know, he fit my don't pay up at running back, uh, mantra coming into the week. He fit basically everything I was trying to do with my lineups this week. And then when sermon was rolled out, I went from 40% monster to eight of 11. So I doubled basically effectively doubled my exposure to exposure to monster. And obviously that did not work out, but the process for me, um, was sound in the sense that I knew yeah, obviously you, you still going got in and out a little bit. I hope the, the oh. podcast is good. Yeah. Sorry. Um, How's that? So, you know, in off season, it, it, um, it, I, it, you know, I can't figure out why people go in and out. Um, but basically, um, you know, Sermon was being drafted ahead of Mostert in, um, in best ball. So I think a lot of people thought he was going to be the one a, and yeah. when the, uh, the, when the news broke, I had I was forcing 10% Mostert and I thought about it and I said a lot of people are going to play Mostert now and the big appeal for him to me uh, in a, trying to hit a 1% outcome at his price was the fact that he was not going to get much ownership so I didn't change anything on that one um I still ended up with some dead lineups and, you know, the interesting thing is, Mark, I think both of our processes were good. You know, uh, in, in small field, uh, single entry, three entry, you know, I don't think most of it was going to have a ton of ownership, maybe. But in, in large field, I just felt that he lost his appeal once the field got a sniff of him. Yeah, my thinking there was that the a large portion of the monster ownership was likely going to be paired with the top one of the top four running backs as far as salary was concerned because of how I broke down my expected chalk build. So I figured, you know, that we'd see a lot of CMC monster teams. We'd see a lot of Dalvin cook monster teams. And by sticking to that two mid range uh, running back roster construction, I knew I would still be differentiated from a large portion of the field. So that's why I was comfortable um, upping my exposure and I, I still think that the process was really sound there. Um, obviously, unfortunate outcome. We see who the second and, or we see what the second and third running backs in in San Francisco did in that matchup. So unfortunate, but I, I yeah. like the process. And, and I and I again, you know, I, I hear this. It's so funny when uh, Travis Etienne went out, you know, in best ball. You had the James Robinson uh, people say, you know, taking victory laps, and you had the Travis Etienne uh, people saying, "Oh, you just got lucky, you James Robinson people." And my comment at the time, and it applies here, is that we'll never know, right? We'll never know if Mostert was a good player or not because he got hurt, and yeah. and that's something that you you know you, when we're talking about having a better process and making changes for the future you can't go by an injury result to make up 
whether it was a good play or not. Yeah, it's just people will be using that to spin their preconceived notions and narratives. It's 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 there's no point in in dissecting what could have been type deal. Yep, yep. And and for me, uh, I made some uh well, we'll we'll get into that in a second. Uh, Mark, it's time for the big reveal. How did your week turn out? And what, if anything, do you wish you did differently? Okay, yeah. So I went over a large, or I guess the running back exposures pretty heavily. I was 7 out of 11 on both uh, Corey Davis and Brandon Cooks because they fit my mid-range kind of balanced lineup. Um, And I thought that both of them were absolutely, you know, maybe 75 or I guess a 50% priced too low in that it wouldn't take a large stretch of the imagination to see both of those guys priced 50% higher uh, in three to four weeks. So I was taking that. I liked both game environments um, and I went heavy on that. That said, those were two smash plays this week. And I still, because I was eight of 11 Raheem Moster, uh, I still ended up uh, losing about a half a buy-in. So uh, I, got half my money back from this week. So 11 uh, entries into the million. and I had some other single entry stuff. Uh, you can do the math on that, how that went. Yeah. So I had almost 400 lineups and I completely screwed it up. I w- was waiting for the final changes, the most changes, and I deleted a bunch of made lineups because I thought I would uh, redo them at the end. And, um, and I should have downloaded them in case I got close, finished the rest of the quarterbacks because I do my runs by quarterback uh, to get a better spread. And um, so I ended up taking the last five quarterbacks and just running them all together. And it was a mishmash. And I somehow ended up with 25% Sam Darnold when I was supposed to have 12 and there were three or four quarterbacks that I, I, I really felt had some nice leverage that I ended up being under on. Uh, none of them did really well. But, you know, since I went to this process, it seems like almost every week I get a sweat. And after the one o'clock games, I was in first place in the slant. And uh, through halftime, I was in second place of the slant. I only had Green Bay's defense. And they actually got negative four high level, negative yeah. four. If I yep. if the optimizer had spit out Denver at two hundred less, I would have finished in third place for ten thousand dollars. It didn't. It was Green Bay, but I finished seventeenth out of thirty nine thousand entries. I won a thousand dollars, which helped me to be uh, profitable on the week by a few hundred dollars, three four hundred dollars. Uh, considering all the screw-ups, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. And my screw-ups were big. Like I alluded to earlier, I had two forced Kansas City full-stack lineups um, on Saturday evening. The Rahim, uh, the Trey Sermon news popped uh, Sunday morning, and I shifted some things around. It just so happened to land that I put Rahim Monster into two Kansas City stacks that I didn't before. That changed the dynamics of the roster enough for me to completely remove my Kansas City stacks, which was 
uh, a absolutely horrendous error on my part. So I went from probably, you know, with those two Kansas City stacks, I would have probably doubled my money to losing 50% uh, with one glaring error. So I uh, was so not too happy about that. what would you do differently, right? If you could go back and talk to younger Hilo, um, give him advice on life, what would you go back and tell him? Um, I would probably not alter how my lineups worked together as much. So I say that in the sense that I had 11 lineups uh, cooking on the week and I removed um, two, the two highest leverage lineups, basically. Um, so I wanted to, you're obviously looking uh, to balance each roster, like accept additional variants on each roster, but you're mitigating your weekly variants by your portfolio as a whole, right? And I... Yep. I basically upped my entire portfolio variance as opposed to uh, managing it across my entire portfolio. Yeah. So I, I think, I'm sorry, you're going in and out again. I don't know if the recording will. So it sounded like you stopped talking, uh, but basically you, you said you had three most lineups before and eight after, correct? I had four before and then eight after. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, coming back and being a doctor, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm analyzing the patient. You know, we work all week to um, we work all week to get our lineups and, and to make our plan. And then with the last minute news, you know, I could say that, you know, going from four to six, maybe, but or taking one of the Kansas City stacks rather than both. But it's really hard when you're under the gun and, and um, you know, but if I was, you know, going to play doctor to, to Hilo uh, for a moment, I would say, you know, in the future, perhaps, uh, you know, if you don't take away both of them, just take away one. Yeah, the, the, the error in my eyes was removing the Kansas City stacks just based on this, how the salary worked out after I was done tinkering. Um, I have no issue when I see an edge exploiting it, even, you know, going three of three Aaron Jones in week two, 2020. Um, that's how it can work out. And this is the other way it can work out. So another, like the other glaring examples of that were Corey Davis and Brandon Cooks. And I was heavy, heavy on those guys because they were just such good plays from the scope of the, the you know, the macro perspective of the slate as a whole. All right. So the week is done. What are your big takeaways for the week, both positive and negative? And how are you sharpening yourself to be even better next week? My probably my biggest takeaway was that I'm in midseason form. And I think that goes uh, to all the work that OWS is is providing this season. Um, I was my process was tight. Um, I obviously made the the large or the large mistake with my portfolio. Um, but my process the entire week was tight. So, um, big, obviously learning point for me is don't increase the variance across my portfolio. Obviously that is our chance to manage or mitigate variance. Um, and I will definitely be better at that moving forward. For me, Mark, I left too much to the end. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time to make all these rules to get them the way you want so that, the, the you know, uh, I'm, I'm spitting out good lineups. 
And what the way I'm adjusting, I, I feel so good about everything I'm doing. I keep getting shots at winning tournaments. Um, it's kind of frustrating that I'm always the bridesmaid and never the bride so far. But what I'm doing is I am on Wednesday, I'm going to, you know, first of all, I love our partners over at Fantasy Labs. Um, I did thought I might struggle switching from Daily Roto, but uh, there are so many great features with Fantasy Labs. I love the lineups that it was spitting out once I did the programming. Um, they have a template feature where you can make a template of your rules so you don't have to make them each week. And I'm even going to keep my correlation rules and then, you know, just switch the teams, right? So if I have a rule that says if Pittsburgh players are in a lineup, uh, use the bills, uh, it, it, you have to have at least one of the bills. I'm going to keep that rule and then I'll change it to fit whoever the Pittsburgh uh, player, uh, you know, opponent is that week. So my goal is to have that all done Wednesday. Um, and the other thing I want to do is I waited too late to narrow my pool and get my quarterback set. I want to do better with that. But I feel overall really good about what I'm doing. Um, I just need to really tighten up my process. And because uh, I'm still pretty new to this, Mark. Yeah, dude, you're going to hit one this year. I know it. <laughs> I feel it. That's, you're sniffing it, man. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about um, OWS. I'm really excited about what you're bringing to the table, what the new people are bringing to the table. Um, and I, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I, I talked about it a little in the beginning. You know, you guys mean a lot to us. Um, the quality of the information that we're giving out uh, and the key contributors are giving out at OWS is just it's, I don't want to, it's, it's a round hole in a square peg. Um, the rest of the industry is giving you picks. We're teaching you how to make picks and, and we give you picks as well. So I'm really excited. I want to thank all of you for joining us on our journey. If you have any questions, put them in the discord at me, uh, at Todd from PA or at Hilo. And uh, Mark and I will be happy to answer. And thank you so much for being an OWS member. Mark, um, I am so excited about this new show, talking about process, making it better. Um, if you or any of the listeners have uh, something that you think you would like to see to make this show even better going forward, let us know. And it's always a pleasure to work with you, Mark. Likewise, man. Good to see you. It's been too long. Yep. All right, folks, that's going to do it. And uh, we will see you next week. And hopefully it will be after we all hit the top of the leaderboards. That's going to do it for us.